Well, as you know, unless you're a guest here today, we've been involved in the last uh, few weeks, all fall long, in uh, looking at our mission statement. And could we all say that together? I think it should be on the screen. If we can get that mission statement back up on the screen. There we go. Our mission is to know Jesus, love others, serve the world. I'd like us to try it one more time like we really mean it, okay? <laughs> Let's say it again. Our mission is to know Jesus, love others, serve the world. Now, all of us spend the greatest amount of our time outside the church. Uh, we're in church for probably an hour and a half or two. We're in a small group maybe during the week for another couple hours. Uh, most of our lives are lived outside the walls of the church. And so I've asked a cross-section of five people from our church family this morning to come and be a panel. And I'm, I'm going to ask them three things this morning. To share their name, to share what they do, what is their calling, what do they spend their lives doing outside the church, and then uh, to tell us, answer this question, how do you approach your current calling as a Christian who wants to do your best in that calling to do it for God's glory and as an opportunity to serve others, be an influence for Christ? So would you welcome our panel as they come? Panel. All right. We're going to need one more stool. We have six instead of five. The more the merrier, right? Here we go. Bill, take it over on that far end over there. All right. Everyone find a seat? <laughs> All right. Okay, this is a great looking panel this morning, by the way. All right. Uh, so let me, uh, so you're going to share your name, what you do in most of those hours of your week, your calling, your work, your career, whatever that might be. If you're retired, what is that you do? And then here's the question. How do you approach your calling as a Christian who wants to do your best in that calling for God's glory, and then as you're doing it, it be an opportunity to serve other people and to sort of show the influence of Christ, to share that. And so we'll start right over here with Aaron. And, I, and I've made it tough for him. They only have two minutes. So, uh, and it's a lot to do in two minutes, but I think they can do it. They can pull it off. So we'll, we're going to start with Aaron this morning. Whoops, Aaron. Hold that nice and close. Good morning. My name is Aaron Tracy. I've been a stay-at-home mom for nine years. Um, in this constantly changing season, I'm so thankful I can find my security in God's unchangeable love. His grace and peace have been increasingly real to me. His peace has helped me rest when I am overwhelmed with exhaustion from no sleep, laundry, dishes, diapers, bus schedules, and homework. I claim grace daily over my messy house and imperfect children. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. The Holy Spirit is helping me to be an example of genuine faith by not pretending to have it all together. I pray that God will receive all the glory as I continue to rely on his strength and not my own. My home and my neighborhood is my mission field. 
My desire is to encourage my neighbors, even at the bus stop, six times a day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He's continually opening doors for me to be hospitable to my neighbors and just to encourage the moms in my neighborhood, and I'm thankful for that. That's great, Aaron. That's good. Bill? Hi, uh, my name is uh, Bill Pasalia. Uh, I've been spending most of the time uh, with my wife the last few weeks anyway. Uh, her dad, who's a World War II vet, is dying. And uh, so, you know, this week especially is uh, meaningful to us and the family. As far as what I do, I'm retired. I'm 68 years old. Uh, I've been involved with uh, Hands On Africa. Uh, it was uh, formed uh, 20 years ago by a special forces officer who was trained to kill. And instead of killing, he took on Matthew 28, 19 as his first concern. After giving up killing for a living, Andre received a doctorate degree in theology from the university here in the United States. And instead of burying churches, instead of burying people, he's planting churches over 350 in uh, Africa. In each one of these uh, countries, there's a seminary. In each of the seminaries, uh, there's hundreds of pastors who come and learn about uh, Jesus Christ for the first time. We have 20 pastors from the Assembly of God uh, in our uh, services, and I had a letter, but I don't think I have enough time to read it. Ten years ago, I became involved with Andre. I formed Hands on Africa in the United States. My main focus now is in Zambia, where uh, I rescue orphans from the streets where their future would otherwise be uh, kidnapped and used as soldiers, prostitutes, organ donors, suicide bombers, who were promised that they wouldn't be injured because Allah would protect them. Last year, uh, we uh, purchased a farm and we're raising goats, chickens, soy, and honey. And when I bring honey to the United States, I'd like all of you to be salesmen for us. All the (laughs) money's gonna go to the orphans, so thank you for that. And uh, lastly, especially uh, this week, I appreciate Pastor inviting me up here because uh, if you'd like to experience a very powerful man of God, if you'd like to experience the power of the Holy Spirit, which pours out of this dynamic speaker, you'll have the opportunity to do that this Tuesday, 7 o'clock to 9 p.m. at Ruffle Feathers. The cost is $50 to cover the cost of the dinner and his travel expenses. I will cover the cost for you. It's worth it for me to you, for you to be blessed by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. If you're interested, you know, please put your name and address and email in the offering. And uh, you, you have to have an invitation to get into the door. So thank you very much. <laughs> Bill, thanks a lot for your involvement. And he's sharing the news. If you have an opportunity, you can jump in and learn more about that. Celia. My name is Celia Carey, and I'm currently a student at Lockport Township High School. It was a lot easier for me to make new friends at my old school because it was so small. But still at my new high school, I am hoping to help some people make a good first week at their new school, especially if they're new to this school. And I just wanted to introduce myself and help them open their locker, get a feel for some of the teachers that might be a lot different from their old school. And this year, one of my friends and I, we invited a boy to sit at our table because he was sitting alone. And I feel that that's really important because it helps him know that high school isn't living up to the cliche. (laughs) And (laughs) I feel that it's important to serve others because you can show some other people that you really care about them. And I want to show God's love in my school. Thank you. Well, I've been sitting here praying that I'd find some words. 
Pastor Jim sent me a text message earlier this week asking uh, for me to share three things. And um, I, <coughs> let's see, I know my name. It's Bob <laughs> Rohr. My uh, amazing wife, wonderful partner. Right there. Wait, raise your hand, Jim. <laughs> and uh, together we have uh, several children. There's uh, Ben. There's uh, Molly. There's Carlin. Who's married to, um, what's his name? <laughs> Carolus. He's, he's, a, he's a great guy. Uh, Mackenzie, Mason, and Brandt. Um, one person I didn't mention is Noah. Noah passed away about three years ago. He was a special needs kid. And uh, we used time. to bring him here when we first yeah. started. And uh, he used to say inappropriate things at inappropriate moments all the time. And thank you, Pastor Jim, for not kicking us out. Hey, <laughs> Very Noah kind. was a great guy. I remember talking with him in the hospital and some of the comments we had. I remember that, Bob. Thank you very much. Um, <clears throat> my vocation is uh, agriculture. And uh, um, I'd be glad to promote your honey. <laughs> I, I, I love farmers. I grew up on a farm. Um, that's what my passion is. I'm the uh, manager of the Cook County Farm Bureau. Uh, I'm also the executive director of the Cook County Farm Bureau Foundation. Uh, we have a political action committee. Uh, we have a number of members. And uh, as such, I have the opportunity to uh, work with uh, a staff of uh, about 20 have an opportunity to work with uh, board of directors, a number of committees, a number of volunteers. We're a 501c5 non-for-profit. Um, so motivation and, and working with others um, are, is my passion. And uh, God created this earth, and he created this earth with a lot of bounty, a lot of potential. And uh, farmers have the opportunity to produce food. Uh, how many farmers do we have in the room? Exactly. <laughs> we, we have, there, there's not very many farmers, and I'm not one of them, and I, I thank the Lord every day that I'm not one of them. I'm good at breaking stuff, and, but I'm not good at growing stuff, and uh, they allow us to, um, to survive and to eat quality food so that we don't have to farm, we don't have to produce. And so I have the opportunity to work with them and talk to them about uh, God's bounty. I get to communicate that with uh, members all the time, uh, and, uh, and that's been my passion. That's so great. thank you. Thanks a lot, Bob. Good morning. I'm Joe Macaluso, and I'm retired. I retired in 2006, and I found I had an abundance of free time, never had I had so much free time, so I became a full-time husband, and <laughs> it's a lot of work. <laughs> My favorite Bible verse is, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, and um, I go through life with, uh, try to go through life with a smile on my face. Now, I lost my job as a husband in uh, 2015, and I had even more time. 
So for the Lord, I volunteer wherever necessary. I, um, I deliver Meals on Wheels in Lockport. And um, just a side note, uh, in Lockport, we have out of five-day deliveries, we have four days covered from this church. And great, um, great. I have uh, uh, told my, s my uh, supervisor that anytime someone calls in sick or, or you need a driver, just let me know because I'm available. Uh, I also have taken on the duty of being uh, a caregiver for my neighbor who is a handicapped man and uh, he he's in a wheelchair and can't do a whole lot for himself. Um, I take him to the doctor and all of his appointments that he has to which relieves him financially of quite a burden because they charge a lot to have come and pick you up and take you back home. We've become very good friends and we share meals and, um, and I do things around his house for him that he can't do, um, change light bulbs and things that he just can't, can't do. Uh, turn the clocks back for him the other day. Um, so, uh, and I, I, again, I uh, volunteer here at the church as well, as some of you uh, already may know and may, may see me. Uh, now you know who I am. <laughs> Very good, Joe. Great, great. Hi, I'm Hannah Taylor. I am so unworthy to sit up here. You are incredible. <laughs> I'm a kindergarten teacher, um, so one may think that teaching is my gift, but I remember thinking, or my gift to serve the world, but I remember thinking when I was younger, um, what is the, the area that I can go into professionally that will help me to reach the greatest volume of people in the shortest amount of time? And that would be teaching. Um, I have always, always, always had a heart for the lost and the least of these, the underdog. Um, I definitely get that from my parents. Most incredible people you'll ever meet. Um, we had a, a homeless friend, Huey, growing up, um, and he joined us for every Christmas. And on Thanksgiving, we would um, go and serve at um, um, the local shelter Thanksgiving meals and my siblings and I always joke that my parents will never be rich because they give everything away. Um, and so uh, thinking about what I wanted to do professionally, I decided to go into teaching. So I went to Olivet Nazarene University down in Bourbonnais. And um, my senior year, the summer before, um, I roomed with three Kenyan girls. And um, we were all working there. And at the end of my senior year, I'm just finishing my degree. And they come to me and they said, Hannah, Hannah, you should be a missionary to Kenya. And um, and teach at this Christian international school. And I was like, okay, that sounds fun, sure. Um, so I called my dad and he said no. Um, <laughs> and so we prayed about it and we cried and we prayed and we cried and we prayed and we cried and um, um, it became evident that that's where I was supposed to be. And I remember thinking like, okay, this is my chance. Like I get to go serve the world. Um, I get to use teaching to serve the world. Um, and I did, because the two years that I was there, I had 22 different countries represented in my classroom. Um, I had an orphan, Danny, um, and then I had the president's lawyer's son in my class. So I just saw everything. Um, and at the end of the two years, they came to me and they said, do you want to sign on for more time? And, and I just remember thinking, like, these kids are guaranteed a Christian teacher. And so my heart began to ache for the public school in America. And... Um, heart began to ache Amen. in Amen. the world. Amen. Um, Amen. 
And now I'm here and I teach kindergarten and my heart still aches because what I thought was gonna be true is true because my kids are lost and they're so broken. Um, yeah, I have three boys um, who need me to be Jesus every single day. They need me to be kind and loving and intentional and good structure. Um, they need me to set boundaries and discern, help them discern what is right and wrong. Um, and what they need most is for me to be okay in the mundane serving them, whether that's stopping at Walmart to get snacks because at three o'clock they come to me and they seem like they are hungry um, or through discipline when really I just want to hug them, but I know they're not getting either of those things at home. So I came to the conclusion that I didn't have to move across the world um, to serve it. I just had to walk into a public school next door. Tremendous. And isn't that a Jesus example? Yes, he met people at the well on the road, um, the least of these intentionally. Um, So I think that's my challenge to myself every day. And my challenge to all of you is where are you now? Who do you see and how can you serve them? And right now for me, that's 18 five-year-olds and serving them by teaching them how to read. Praise God. Amen. Wow. (laughs) Tremendous. Thank you guys so much. appreciate uh, all six and the variety of ways that we are serving our world. And this is just from six people in our church family. I could have had all of you (laughs) come up here and talk for a little bit and stop and think about the ripples. Stop and think about the impact of this church family in your vocations, in all those hours we spend outside this building. The hours we spend in the building, in our small groups, in our times of prayer, those are vitally important. They feed us and they fuel us. They give us the strength to then step outside the walls of our building and be salt and light for Jesus in this world. And what, I want to tell you something. (laughs) There is nothing on this planet that a person can give themselves to that is so fulfilling and is making such a difference and means so much as to reach out and touch the lives of other people one person at a time. And God gives us vocations outside this building for that purpose. Now, we've already had a great sermon here. <laughs> okay. I just want to I just want to add a little bit of context to it here this morning in these next few moments. As you know, unless you're a guest here today, during the last nine weeks or so during the fall, we've been refocusing on our mission as a church, and we've compared it to getting, getting back to school, going back to school. Knowing Jesus is getting back to the basics. When we go to school, we get back to the basics, math, English, science. Knowing Jesus is the basic of all the basics because he is the one in whom we find our salvation, our meaning. He's the one who created the universe. There is no real meaning, ultimate meaning, outside of Jesus Christ. When we invite him into our life, we find our personal meaning in the whole story of the universe and in the story of this planet. Secondly, love others. When we really know Jesus, his love 
begins to function and flow from our lives. And it creates a church family that becomes a community unlike any other on the planet because we love one another so profoundly it goes beyond our imperfections. We draw no isolating circle that says, you can't come into my circle. The circle of Christ's love is open for every human being. And that's the kind of church God has called Calvary Church to be. No isolationism, no exclusion, but all are welcome in, in the name of Jesus Christ. That's really loving. But then, here, then come the finals at the end of the semester. And what is the final? What is the real final test of whether or not we have learned what our teacher's been teaching us, our teacher Jesus Christ? Well, if we really know Jesus, and if we really love the world, then the test of all that, where the rubber meets the road, is we are going to be profoundly moved and motivated to serve our world. And that's, that's what we've heard up here this morning, how we can serve our world and take this faith and show its reality by living it out every day as we go about the activities of our week. I just want to focus real quickly in the re in, in, and draw this thing all together this morning. There are three parts to living out our faith in a way that serves the world. We live it out through our calling, we live it out through our character, and we live it out through our conversations. Three C's. So first of all, we live, we live our faith, we, we serve the world through our calling. A lot of times, we have this massive disconnect be between what we call our spiritual life and everything else in our life. Um, we come to church, we have our prayer our prayer place at home, we get in our, our Bible studies, we, are in our, uh, we, we serve in the ministry of the church, and all those things are so important. But sometimes we say, those are the spiritual things in my life. And then all those hours, 40 or 50 hours we spend at, at the job, those are the unspiritual parts of our life. Jesus never made a disconnect like that at all. In fact, the very opposite. How did Jesus live? For 18 years, he was in construction. <laughs> he was a construction worker in the trades. He was a carpenter. He worked probably eight or 10 hours a day measuring boards, sawing, nailing, got blisters on his hands, sawdust in his hair, sweating because Jesus made a lot of the tables and chairs and everything else in the village of Nazareth. And I'll bet it was high quality work. I'll bet when he made a table, it didn't, it wasn't like some of the ones you find in a restaurant sometimes where they wobble a little bit. Jesus didn't make wobbly tables. He made good quality chairs and tables, everything else he touched. And then, so he did that for 18 years, from age 12 probably to age 30. And then at age 30, he entered into, and I'm going to put in quotes, his ministry. He became the, the rabbi teacher and presented himself and announced himself the savior of the world. So what a question I have for you this morning. Were th those 18 years that Jesus was a carpenter, were those sort of the unspiritual parts of his life? And those final three were the real spiritual parts of his life. If we draw that conclusion, we've missed the point. Jesus was the son of God. He was God clothed in flesh all 33 years of his life. And every moment of his life was a life of dedication and service to God. Uh, 
There was, for Jesus, there was no such thing as an unspiritual part of life. Everything for Jesus was spiritual. And all he was doing was reminding us of what God said about all of our lives way back with Adam and Eve. Because in Genesis chapter 2.15, God says this to Adam and Eve. He put them into a garden, and it says he put them into the garden to work it, to work the garden. You know what that Hebrew word for work is? It's the word abad. You know what that word is also translated into English uh, as the word serve and as the word worship. And so in the mind of Jesus Christ, in the word of God, there is no distinction between our work, our career, our vocation, all the activities we do that fill up our lives and serving the Lord and worshiping the Lord. So imagine the transformation. If we, went to, if we go to work tomorrow morning, wherever you might be happening to work right now in this season of your life, and you go there realizing that that is a place of worship. We're, okay, we're in a place of worship here, but I want to tell you something. When you step into wherever you step into tomorrow and spend about 40 or 50 hours a week, you're stepping into another holy place, a place to be dedicated to God as a place of worship. I am serving him here. How are we serving him there? First of all, by doing great quality work. Working, doing the, pouring the best quality into that work that we possibly can because that quality work is, it's, it's done for the glory of God. The Apostle Paul says this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. He says, work willingly. The Greek word there is with all your heart. Work willingly with all your heart at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. So who's your boss tomorrow? Who's the supervisor? Well, it's Jesus. And we do our work for him. And that's part of our witness because you know what? Approaching our jobs that way will transform our attitudes about our job. Give it, do it for God's glory. Okay, so secondly, we serve the world not only in our calling, but we serve the world in our character. Uh, what does that word character mean? Well, it's what something really is on the inside. It's not what's on the outside. It's the true nature of what a thing or a person really is on the inside. We get our word authentic instead of image. And images can be deceiving, but something that's authentic, that's the real deal. Now, the character of a person who knows Jesus is not just a set of Jesus-like behaviors which we struggle with to try to live up to or to create an image of that. You know what? Because we always fall flat in our face when we try to live up to the image of Jesus. We can't do that in ourselves. We're fallen. We have a fallen nature. So what happens is this. It's when Jesus comes to live inside our deepest being, he begins to share with us his own nature so that we begin to grow into and express his character. And it begins to flow naturally out of us. 
because it's not flowing out of our nature. It's coming out of the presence of Jesus who lives inside of us. He's the one who's transforming us. Paul said it this way, if any person be in Christ, he or she is a new creation. There's something new being created inside. So what does an authentic Christian character look like? Well, the Apostle Paul gives us a very composite picture in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. And I'm going to throw in here, I'm really getting warm up here. I don't know if we need a little air on or not. I, I'm, I'm roasting up here, so maybe a little air would help. Uh, anyway, uh, it's not part of the sermon, but I added it. Okay. Uh, so authentic Christian character. Colossians 3, 12 to 14 says it this way. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. There's no way that we can live up to that in our own strength. It's Jesus' presence in us. And you know what? It's a process. We don't become, we don't receive Christ one day and then become the perfect, the perfection of his character the next. That's a lifelong process. And that's, but, but for those of us who are sincere followers of Jesus, we're, we're reaching out, we're pursuing him so that his presence in us can more and more be reflected in our behavior uh, and the way we live. That's why Christians need to have a repentant spirit and be the best apologizers on the planet because sometimes we will mess up and blow it. But then we come right back and own up to it and then let the Lord continue to work more deeply in our lives, transforming us. In, Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2.15, Paul compares Christian character to, he calls it a fragrance, the fragrance of Christ. Listen to what he says. He says, but thanks be to God who leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him. What's, what's Paul saying there? I believe he's saying this. There is a depth and a sustaining, overcoming strength in the character of Christ that's taking shape in us, even in the middle of pressures. And the fragrance of Christ is going to, is going to flow out. Even when a Christian's under pressure. I want you to think of a flower like a rose. Uh, I think rose is my favorite fragrance. Lilac comes in second. Okay, I love lilac, but rose, I think, topped the list. And I know this about a rose, and I'm not a botanist, but I do know this, that the fragrance of a rose is there on a sunny day, and it's also there on a gloomy, rainy, thunder, thunderstorm kind of day. And that rose, you can walk up and smell it on either of those days, in any of those circumstances, and the fragrance that's coming out of that rose is still that of a rose, because that's the nature, that's the character of a rose. You can even take a rose and crush it. What happens when you crush a rose? You just get more fragrance. It stirs up the fragrance of that rose when it's crushed. The Jesus Christ who lives in us since the day we received him and opened our lives to him, that same Jesus... He was crushed on the cross by bearing the weight of all human sorrows and all human sins. He took the whole weight of that. He was crushed 
on that cross on our behalf. And then he rose from the dead to show he didn't get crushed. He was victorious over it. When Paul says, those of us who receive Christ into our life are being led in a, in a parade, a procession, in which his triumph is being shown. The same, the same grace that came flowing out of Jesus, even on that cross, that's the grace that he wants to come flowing out of our lives, even in those crushing times of life, even when the pressures are pushing in on us. And the only place we're ever going to get strength like that is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I was thinking of Veterans Day, Hacksaw Ridge. Some of you have seen that movie. Desmond Doss, his story. He was a wounded, unarmed medic who under fire saved 50 to 75 soldiers. He saved their lives by lowering, down, lowering them down that ridge. And you know, what he, you know what Desmond Doss said at age 87 when he died? He said it all of his life. He says, all the glory goes to God. So Desmond Doss, he didn't have that within himself. <clears throat> that was the grace, that was the fragrance of the transforming power of Jesus Christ that made a difference in his life and gave him even the ability, <clears throat> even though he was wounded, to carry this out. And we live in a wounded world. We live in a tough world. And there's nothing our world needs more than people to, to, uh, to experience the fragrance of the grace of Christ through our character. And then one other, we serve the world through our conversation. Our character is what people see in us. Our conversation is what they hear from us. Paul said this to Timothy, who was living and leading and serving Christ in the city of Ephesus, which is a very, very pagan world filled with people that needed to know Christ. This is what Paul said to Timothy. He said, work at telling others the good news. Work at telling others the good news. I think what he was saying is this. Always be ready. Always be praying for opportunities to have conversations with others in which the topic of faith, the topic of Jesus can come up and you can, you can share something with that person to point them toward Christ. For natural opportunities in conversations just in the course of our everyday life, at the place of our vocation, wherever we are. Now, this doesn't mean that we become obnoxious and <laughs> we, you know, we just drive people away. That's not, that's not what is being talked about here. Because, you know, sometimes it seems hard to ever get to those topics with people outside the walls of our church, like at the school or the gym or the workplace. It seems hard to ever even get to those kinds of topics about faith and about Christ. So how, how can those naturally come our way with more frequency? I think mainly it's just by building genuine relationships with people. Relationships are conversational bridges with people. And you know what? The more we get to know of a person and they get to know us, it just becomes more natural to share more of who you are. And it's, it's in that kind of a context that we can end up having those chances to talk with others about our faith. Not in some sort of pressure kind of way, not in some sort of obnoxious kind of way, but it's through a relationship. Uh, and you know what? We've all been commissioned to be missionaries. We, we have 34 global missionaries that we support in different parts of our world. 
But the missionaries of Calvary Church in this part of the world, the southwest suburbs or wherever we are, the missionaries of Calvary Church are us. <laughs> we are the missionaries, full-fledged missionaries in the place where God has sent us to, to spend our time outside the walls of our church. There's a survey, I think I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, says seven out of 10 people who are not currently attending church, seven out of 10 of them, if a friend, someone they trust, would invite them to check a church out, seven out of 10 of them would say, yeah, I would do that. I'll come with you. I'll check it out. I think that's a great, <laughs> that's a ripe harvest field, isn't it? That's a, that's a great opportunity uh, that we have. And maybe our first conversation with someone is going to say, you know what? Hey, I, I don't know what you're doing Sunday morning, but hey, if you, if you want to, I go to church. If you'd like to check it out, hey, we'd love to have you, et cetera, things like that. Uh, it could turn that person's life around. So we want to do all we can in the church here, when you do that, to create an environment within the walls of our church that is welcoming and non-threatening to the friends that you may bring. And there's no, like we said a moment ago, there's no exclusion. If you have a friend who's an agnostic and you've had some discussions with this person and this person just can't come to believe that we can even know if there is a God out there. Or perhaps they've taken the next step and said, you know what, I'm, I'm basically just an atheist and I, I, don't believe, I don't believe there is a God out there. Or perhaps it's a person whose language is every other word is just, you know, they are, they may, maybe they know every curse word on planet Earth and every other, and they use one of them in every other word, okay? All right, you know what? Jesus loves that person and died for that. He was, Jesus was crushed for that person on the cross just as much as he was crushed for you and me. So there's no holier-than-thou stuff. And I know I'm talking to the congregation who knows that and who lives out this grace and love of Jesus. And, you know, Jesus could have got turned off by the... By the, deg the if Jesus, Jesus could have gotten turned off by certain levels of deg degraded behavior and Jesus, when he went to the cross, he, he could have sort of ex drawn an exclusion for certain people because they were just too, their sin was too offensive. Well, no. Jesus didn't do that, did he? But there is no sin so offensive to Jesus. And there's no one more offended by sin than God, who's holy, pure. But yet, that God is filled with a love that goes, you know, Paul said it this way, where sin abounds, grace goes deeper. Grace goes deeper. It goes deeper than any human sin that you've ever observed or ever will observe. So if Jesus didn't, on the cross, exclude anybody from coming to him, why would we ever go into our world and say, I'm not going to associate with that person? We, no. We're there to be light in the darkness. You know what John Wesley said? Someone asked John Wesley one time, um, Something like this. Would you like to have, John, would you like to have a church and a nice, you know, a nice church and a nice community somewhere in a nice part of London? Um, and you know what John Wesley's response was? No, I want a church that's right outside the gates of hell. That's where I want my church to be. May God answer that prayer. May that be our desire as a church to be where brokenness is. And then by God's grace, God, give us opportunities in our, week, in our work 
with people that we meet who, who look good on the outside, but inside we know there's all kinds of things going on. May we build a relationship. May, may we become a trustworthy person in that place that opens the door for people to share a little bit of their lives with us and their opportunities to share Christ's love with others. So may our thoughts be, as we leave this building today, uh, uh, let, me, let me close it this way. There are great stories in this, in this building today of how of this whole serving the world thing, because I don't think any of us would be in here today if there weren't some Christian, or more than one, who had been out there serving the world and had an influence that have brought us to Christ. And that's why we're in this building today. That's the way it is for me. My Aunt Martha, when I was a baby, invited my mom to come to church. My mom wasn't a Christian, and she wasn't raised in a Christian home. There was no church in her life. I don't know if my, I'm not sure that my mom had ever been to church in her life. I don't know. Maybe to a wedding or something. But my Aunt Martha invited her to come to church. And so my mom went, carried me there when I was a baby, and then I had a couple brothers that came along and, and brought them along. Um, she attended church for 11 years before she ever made any kind of a faith commitment to Christ. How many sermons would that be in 11 years? 11 times 52? I can't calculate that, but you can tell me after the service, okay. But, okay, she heard all those sermons. After not a one of them, did she respond to Jesus? Uh, But here's what did happen during those 11 years. She observed the character of the people in that church family who reached out to her. And she engaged in conversations with the people of that church about their faith. And when I was 11 years old, she came to faith in Christ. And it very much changed my mother's life from that day forward. She is the person of all the people on planet Earth who was most instrumental in my faith in Christ. I would not be here either today if it had not been for the testimony and impact of her faith and the prayers of her faith on my behalf when I was resisting the faith because I had a time of resisting the faith. And if, and, 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 and if over the course of 48 years where I've had the privilege to pastor, if I've had the opportunity to influence others for Jesus, then that all started with my Aunt Martha, who just one day invited my mom to come to church. And that's the way this works. It's word of mouth, one by one, one conversation at a time. Because we're the people that Jesus has given the eyes that there are no, un- no unimportant people. There are no people in our workplaces that we overlook, that we, s- we don't do that. Because we have his eyes and his heart for our world. So I would like us to close this whole series that we've been involved with for these last few weeks. I would just like us to close it by together saying once again our mission.
our mission as a church. It's not just a fancy slogan. Man, no, it's not. This is who we are as a church. This is who we are as a church. So could we say it together one time? Again, our mission is to know Jesus, love others, and serve the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege and joy we have of representing Jesus Christ in this broken world. Lord, we don't have the strength to do that in our own character. Lord, it's the transforming power of Jesus and his character being shared with us as we draw near to you, as we open our hearts to you, as we spend time in your word, as we feed upon you and deepen our relationship with you, then our, your influence through us, your character through us, your fragrance begins to attract the world and draw them to the same grace that has redeemed us. Whether it's on the other side of the planet or whether it's right up the street here in Lamont, Lord God, let us be let us be those missionaries. Let us catch this vision, Lord. Let us, let us catch this vision and let us live it out in the world, Lord Jesus. And we give you praise and we give you thanks for all of these things. And I thank you for this very wonderful congregation of people, Lord, that, that do take seriously the call that you've given to us. So, Lord, bless in these closing moments and um, as we reflect upon things. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.